In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday after the Epiphany is from Isaiah chapter 62. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her, and your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you, and as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Please stand. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the gospel of the Lord.
Jesus did this as the beginning of the signs, and he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You may be seated. This is our text. And what we ponder for the next 10 minutes will be around this text. Jesus did this as the beginning of the signs. Signs are pointers, recognizable and giving information. A mark or gesture adopted as a method of recognition. If you are Linda Nuring, you will know how important signs are on this campus. Especially if there is an activity going on where new people come to campus, signs are significant, very significant. But they are signs. Signs point to places and locations and people. Rick Mars used to be my neighbor. He's no longer, he has moved away from my neighborhood. He is still on campus, his office is someplace on this campus, I know the number, but I need to follow signs to get to the location where he is. In fact, he, I was there once and almost by his door, but I turned around and missed the place and I had to come back and ask for signs to get to his place again. Signs are important, signs are pointers. There was John the Baptist in John's Gospel of the first chapter. He came to, he came as a sign. He actually was a witness. He said he was pointed to someone who was greater than him. The difficulty there was when John began preaching and doing a few things, those who saw him thought almost he was the one he was actually pointing to. Are you the Christ? Even that question they posed to him. He said, no. He said he emphatically denied, I am not the Christ. Someone who comes after me, who is greater than me, whose bootstraps I am not even qualified to untie, he is the one. Signs point to something beyond, someone beyond the sign itself. Jesus performed this sign as the first of the signs. And as we go to chapter 3 and 4 and following, you will see at least seven signs in John's Gospel that Jesus performs. John also says early on and into chapter 20 that Jesus did many other signs. Signs are important, but they point to something beyond the signs. Jesus did this as the beginning of the signs, and he revealed his glory. He revealed his glory. This is an unusual word here, a combination of revelation and glory, ephanerosin and doxa, occurs only here probably in all the New Testament, definitely in John's Gospel, this is the only place. He revealed, manifested in some translations, his glory. That is the point of the signs, pointing to something beyond, someone beyond. John does not end his Gospel, his narrative, with just signs. Signs need to be interpreted. And John has this pattern throughout his writing. There are some discourses that do not follow or precede a sign, as there are cases like that. But there are quite a few signs that also follow or succeed a discourse. This is just Jesus' pattern to reveal his glory to the people who were surrounding him, and for us today to Know him as he is. He feeds the 5,000 in John chapter 6. And there is a discourse. I am the bread of life. Sign, feeding the 5,000. Discourse, I am the bread of life. Sign, the first sign, turning of water into wine. 
but it is something greater happening from that sign onwards into the culmination of his ministry. Jesus says in chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Discourse. Then he follows that with a sign. He heals a man born blind. Further into chapter 11, Jesus says, gives the discourse, I and the resurrection and life. There he gives a sign. Jesus raises, as you know, Lazarus from the dead. Sign and discourse. John simply does not stop with narrating miracles, but he follows that with a discourse. It is through that sign and discourse we see how God's glory is manifested. Early on in the chapter, in John's Gospel, he writes, we beheld his glory, an unusual kind of glory, beheld his glory as the glory of that one and only Son, Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh, mystery, revealed as the interpretation of that mystery revealed in this fact that God so loved the world as much to that extent that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Signs pointing to a discourse, ultimately pointing to what God is all about. Signs, discourse. And then he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Jesus revealed his glory. It's not a glory attributed to him, but he on his own, in his own terms, reveals his glory. As we know as good Lutherans, his glory was ultimately revealed when he was lifted up. He lifted up on the cross as an expiation for our sins and the sins of the whole world. The ultimate revelation of God's, God's glory, which was humbling for him, for our sake and our salvation's sake. God let his glory go and reveal his glory in a completely different way, beyond human comprehension, where he will humble himself and become one like a slave, in fact, a slave, as he would take upon himself all human sin and its consequence for the sake of our redemption and our salvation. God's glory for our salvation as a consequence of our sin, for our freedom from sin. Signs, discourses, testimony of that sign for our faith in him. Do we need signs? Are we looking for the ultimate sign that something will happen someday so that all people all over the world will believe in him? Yes and no. More on the no side. And Jesus says in Luke, no sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. No sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. This generation, this evil generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will, give, will be given except the sign of Jonah. For they repented at the time of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The ultimate sign that God will give to people is his own son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Are we not proud of that? Are we not humbled by that? That God would limit his glory in one person and let go of his glory because of our sin. And by his humbling, we will all be restored to God's glory. And this is the mystery of our faith. The disciples believe in, believed in him, and we, the next generation, and the generation unto the ends of the earth, keep on believing in that mystery of our faith. And for us, and our candidates soon receiving their calls. There are six parts to this mystery. 
Jesus Christ, according to Paul, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, preached on among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Mystery has been revealed. Glory given unto us, not to us, but unto us, so that we may go forth and declare his praises. John says there were so many other signs that Jesus did, but these signs are given and written down for you so that they, you, you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and by believing in him, you have eternal life. Signs, discourses for our faith and for our salvation. For us to proclaim so that the world out there will know that God is glorious and he's glorified even among us. To God be the glory. Amen.
This is the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. Today, the Concordia Seminary community joins our candidates, their spouses and children, families and friends, supporting and calling congregations in praising God and celebrating his gift of the office of the holy ministry to his church and these servants he's giving to his church today. I'd like to invite uh, the following to join me in the chancel and give their personal congratulations. The Reverend Dr. Dale Meyer, Concordia Seminary President. The Reverend Dr. David Peter, Placement Counselor. The Reverend Dr. Bruce Hartung, Dean of Ministerial Formation. The Reverend Dr. Jeffrey Gibbs, Director of Certification. And the Reverend Dr. Timothy Seleska, Director of the Master of Divinity and Alternate Route Programs. The following candidates have been certified for the Office of the Holy Ministry by the faculty of Concordia Seminary, and upon the prayer for deliberations of the Ministerial Placement Committee of the Council of Presidents, acting as the Board of Assignments for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. They are here presented to the Church for ministry in the locations indicated. My brothers in Christ, as you hear your name called and your placement announced, be mindful of the word of God in Acts 17, 26, and 27. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Note that God determines the time and place for you to live in order that people will come to know him and his love. I present to you the Master of Divinity candidates for this winter term. Please stand. Eric Anderson, Pastor, Faith Lutheran Church, Johnstown, Colorado, Rocky Mountain District. Paul Elliott, in absentia, Assistant Pastor, St. John Lutheran Church, Aurora, Indiana, Indiana District. Joshua Heimbach, Pastor, St. John's and Trinity Lutheran Churches, Villard and Grove Lake, Minnesota, Minnesota North District. Willis McCall, Pastor, Resurrection Lutheran Church, Fredericksburg, Texas, Texas District. And Mark McCrory, in absentia, pastor, First Lutheran Church, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Mid-South District. Dear brothers in Christ, you have been called to ministries of servanthood. Glorify your God in your life and ministry by living with him, for him, and like him. Like him, reaching out in love to those who are lost. I also encourage you to hold fast the promise of God in Psalm 121. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your lives. The Lord will watch over your coming in and your going out both now and forevermore. The Lord be with you. Amen. Friends in Christ, I urge you all to lift up your hearts to God and pray with me as Christ our Lord has taught and freely promised to hear us. God our Father in heaven, look with mercy on us. 
your needy children on earth and grant us grace that your holy name may be hallowed by us and all the world through the pure and true teaching of your word and the fervent love shown forth in our lives. Graciously turn from, turn from us all false doctrine and evil living, whereby your precious name is blasphemed and profaned. Lord, in your mercy. May your kingdom come to us and expand. Bring our transgressors and those who are blinded and bound in the devil's kingdom to know Jesus Christ, your Son, by faith that the number of Christians may be increased. Lord, in your mercy. Strengthen us by your Spirit according to your will, both in life and in death, in the midst of both good and evil things, that our own wills may be crucified daily and sacrificed to your good name. O Father, mercies and God of all comfort, our only help in time of need, look with your favor upon your servant, Casey Salmonen. Assure her of your mercy, deliver her from the temptations of the evil one, and give her patience and comfort in her struggle with cancer. If it please you, restore her to health or give her grace to accept this tribulation with courage and hope. Heavenly Father, ruler of all things, your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, healed all manner of infirmities and cured all manner of diseases. Mercifully help your servant, Teresa Weinert, aunt of seminarian Joel Pike. If it be your will, free her from her sickness, that restored to health, she may with a thankful heart bless your holy name. Lord Jesus Christ, hear our prayers on behalf of your servant, Brandy Gibbs, daughter-in-law of Professor and Mrs. Gibbs, as she undergoes surgery. Bless her with faith in your loving kindness and protection. Endow the surgeons and medical team with ability and skill so that according to your will, the surgery may bring your servant to a full restoration of health and strength. Into your merciful hands we commend them, your servants and children and all who are in need, praying for them at all times. Thy will be done, Lord, in your mercy. Grant us our daily bread, preserve us from greed and selfish cares, and help us trust in you to provide for all our needs. Lord, in your mercy. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us so that our hearts may be at peace and may rejoice in a good conscience before you and that no sin may ever frighten or alarm us. Lord, in your mercy. Lead us not into temptation, O Lord, but help us by your Spirit to subdue our flesh, to turn from the world and its ways, and to overcome the devil with all his wiles. Lord, in your mercy. And lastly, O Heavenly Father, deliver us from all evil of both body and soul, now and forever, Lord, in your mercy. We trust, O Lord, in your great mercy to hear and answer us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord our God, King of all creation. For you have had mercy on us and given your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Grant us your spirit, gracious Father, that we may give heed to the testament of your Son in true faith, and above all, firmly take to heart the words with which Christ gives to us his body and blood for our forgiveness. By your grace, lead us to remember and give thanks to the boundless love which he manifested to us when, by pouring out his precious blood, he saved us from your righteous wrath and from sin, death, and hell. Grant that we may receive the word, the bread and wine that is his body and blood as a gift, guarantee, and pledge of his salvation. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship. With the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, at his command and with his own words, we receive his testament. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink of it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in the, one, in the body and soul to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Mm -hmm.